welcome. Whether it's your first time or whether you've been here uh, for years, thank you for being here. Um, here in one uh, room, we've got both services here. I love this. I love when everyone gets to come together. I get to see uh, you know, all my friends from first service, all my friends from second, and we all get to mingle and be here together. So thank you for being here. And if you're watching online, um, welcome. Seriously, thank you so much for being there with us. Over this past couple years, me and my family have been there online with you guys a ton and here in person some. So if you're online because you're not coming back yet, or if you're online just because you're uh, on vacation right now or you're out of town, thank you for joining us. Um, we are in the middle of a series, um, all on groups. It's titled Gather. And if you missed the last two weeks of our series, um, it's been great. The, it's actually last week was the beginning of our series, but the week before that, Dave spoke an amazing message um, just on unity, what that looks like to be unified. And then last week, um, he kicked off this series. And uh, it was just a great message those two weeks. So I encourage you, uh, go back if you haven't seen those, check those out. But Gather is all about, you can see here on the slide, it says circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. So we've been talking really about this uh, for years now. If you've been around Connect, we've always kind of said this. We've talked about how circles are better in rows because right here, you guys are all sitting in rows like Dave talked about last week. That's great so you guys can hear things. But it's more than just a Sunday morning coming here. Following Jesus, we need community. We can best grow in community. And when we get into groups, when we get into circles, we get to have input. We get to talk back and forth. We get to ask questions, things like that. So I would encourage you guys, um, we are doing a big push. This is something that we've never done before. This is brand new, new to Connect. We are doing something. It is our Wednesday night groups night. So on your way out, you will get a card just like this. And this is going to kind of detail all of the groups that we have. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to make this something where there would be a group for every single person that attends Connect, or if you don't attend Connect, uh, bring your friends along too. Uh, get into a group, and we've made it. We have a few different groups. Um, we've got a divorce care group for people who have gone through divorce, dealing with that and blended families or going through it currently. It's a phenomenal group. Um, we have our women's group, which is a new group. They've been kind of doing different little meetings all the way throughout the uh, summer, little things, little um, events, things like that. And they're going to be meeting here at this time. We have a marriage group that's going to be an amazing group. My wife and I are going to go through that. This is the first time that we have um, put this on. Um, so we're going to go through our marriage group. That's going to be um, a great one. And then finally, we have a group called Rooted. And I, if you have not been to Rooted, I highly recommend it. Um, the life change that we see come out of that. People always go into it. Maybe if you're one of these people where you're like, I leave Sunday morning always with more questions than I came in. I, 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 he said this. I didn't realize that was in the Bible. What is that about? This is the class for you. We get to dive a little bit deeper than what we get to do on a Sunday morning because we're in those circles. We get to connect. We get to ask questions. It's going to be a great time. So I recommend um, any of those classes depending on where you're at. But to make it as easy as possible, what we've done is it's going to be from 6 to 8 o'clock every Wednesday night right here. We have a meal that we are having here. So come on out, grab a meal so you don't have to cook dinner. We also um, have taken care of all of childcare for you guys. So you don't have to find childcare. There's going to be childcare here from infant all the way up to fifth grade. Um, and this isn't just babysitting, just so you guys know. You're not going to bring your kids here and they're not just going to get washed and make sure they're not eating crayons or something. 
This is gonna be very similar to what happens on a Sunday morning. They have a program, so while you're growing, while you're in community, growing in your faith, your kids are gonna be doing the same thing. So I would highly recommend that. Um, please come out to one of those. It's gonna be a great time. That is starting on Wednesday the 15th or 18th, whichever the Wednesday is. I think it was the 15th. It might be the 18th. Whatever the Wednesday is coming up here. So uh, not this week, but the following week. So I encourage you guys, come on out to that. Um, but like I said, we are going to be here um, with the series Gather in week two. And the uh, passage that we're going to be focusing on today is a passage in the book of James. Um, and James was the little brother of Jesus. Um, so he wrote this book. Um, it's a whole thing here. So we're going to be um, reading out of the message translation. Um, I love the way that they, they put this here in the message translation. So we're going to be in James uh, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says here, it says, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. I'm gonna read that last part again. You can develop healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. I could stop there, and I think that would be enough for us to all go home and work on. I don't know about you, but looking all throughout our world, through our country, through our social media feeds, there's not a lot of getting along with each other with dignity and honor, and I'm going to focus on that today. So before we get going, um, would you guys pray with me before we get fully into this? So, Dear God, thank you for every single person that's here. Thank you for everyone that is here in the building and everyone that's joining us online. We pray that today um, we would hear from you. It wouldn't be about the songs we're singing or the things that I say or anything like that, but I would pray that you would show us what community looks like. You'd show us what groups look like. You'd show us what it's like to be in a group and what it's like to have this community, this robust community that is getting along with each other, that is doing the hard work to come together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you might be in a few different groups of people. When it comes to groups, I know there's some people uh, that like you hear like we're saying, hey, you should join a small group. And you're like, no, I hate groups. I'm not going to sit around in a circle and talk about my feelings and sing Kumbaya and all this stuff. Don't worry. That is not what we're talking about. So you might be in that group and you're like, I am not sure about this. That's totally fine. You might be in the other group where you're like, I Anytime there's a group anywhere, I'm, I'm at the park district signing up for groups. I'm signing up for groups in, at my work. I'm signing up for groups everywhere. I just need to be around people. I love talking. I love discussing. This is for you as well. You might be in the third group where you're like, I really like groups. They're great. They're fun. Uh, but I just have never been able to find my fit. I've never been able to figure out what that looks like. And today, I want to uh, talk about that and kind of just see different ways of how we can better be in groups. And if you're like me, I'm not necessarily amazing with groups, um, you know, depending on who it is. I, I like groups, but when I, choose, when I get to choose the groups, for some reason I do, don't do it very well. I don't choose groups 
in a great way. Who remembers, I know for some of you, this is going to be a long time to remember back, into high school, into middle school. A lot of you are in high school and middle school right now or in college. But group projects. Anyone remember group projects? Do you remember that one person that was always in the group project and they never did any of the work? They did nothing? Yeah? If you don't remember that person, that was you. You were that person for your group. I was always that person for my group. I'm like, we're in a group for a reason. Come on, carry this type of thing. And groups were fine, and when we were in school, it wasn't too bad kind of towards the beginning and then even towards the end, but kind of in that middle area, something happened where our teachers allowed us to start choosing our own groups. That's where the problem came in, because you guys know how it goes. You're like, okay, group up, teacher says this, and you instantly just look at your best friend, and you're like, yeah, we're good, yeah, we're in a group. And you get together. And I would build these groups, and all of my groups looked almost the same because I had this super tight-knit group of guys through middle school and high school, and we'd always pick each other. The problem was that we were all that person that slacks off in the group, and we just picked each other. So while all the other groups in the class are just flourishing because they don't have us in them, um, pulling them down, we're sitting here, and like it comes to the day of the project, and we look at each other, we're like, today? Did you do something? Did you do something? And we're sitting here like, what is going on? And we n- never learned anything. Group projects were probably the worst way of learning for me. And I think if we're honest with each other, unfortunately, we see that coming into our adult lives or into, if you're in middle school and high school, we see that even coming into our social lives outside of school and outside of work. And we surround ourselves with these groups that we're picking solely based off of who we get along with, who looks like us, who sounds like us, people who believe the same things we do, and they're great for social. I'm telling you, those, those groups that I was in that I picked, we had a ton of fun. We just didn't learn anything. And the groups that we are forming now, I often find with myself, I look around and everyone kind of believes what I believe. Everyone kind of thinks what I think. Everyone looks kind of like what I do. And if we don't have other people, other voices, other things that are speaking into our groups, we're not going to grow and we're not going to learn anything. And when it comes to groups, when it comes to what it looks like to build community and to have people around us that support us and to grow us, I think the best place to look is to look at Jesus. Um, I'm a simple guy. I try not to get too complicated. So if I can look right at the source and see how Jesus does things, that's usually the way that I go. So if we look here um, in Mark, it explains in Mark and um, in Matthew, it kind of walks through the 12 disciples. So the 12 disciples were these 12 guys that Jesus picked to be his community, to be his group, to surround him with. And it explains a little bit about them. Some of them we know more about than others. Some of them we kind of are like not sure exactly what they do or why they're in the group. But it explains it all. And I want to look at that. And we're going to look specifically at four things um, that Jesus did to support his community, that Jesus did while building his community. And the first one that I think we need to look at is to see who Jesus chose to be in his group. See the type of people that Jesus chose to be in this group of 12 with him. We can see, first of all, he picked Peter, and then Peter's brother was named Andrew. They were both fishermen, 
Then he goes on, he picks two more brothers. He picks James and John, who were right next to the other two, who were also fishermen. So right off the bat, we've got four guys, all fishermen, blue-collar workers. Then Jesus throws a little bit of a wrench in the plan, and he brings on a guy named Matthew. Now, Matthew was a tax collector, and I know we've talked a little bit about this before here, but tax collectors were absolutely hated in the time. Tax collectors were, not only did they go around and they'd collect tax from all these different people, the fishermen, from all the people all around, uh, they would take whatever the tax was owed, but it wasn't a regulated market. It wasn't like a regulated system. So they would take that and then they'd say, and you owe me this, and you owe me this. And they would steal money from their people, from all these people doing hard work. And they would keep it and they would be rich. And every single person hated them, especially the people who had to go out and fish for their living. So we've got four fishermen, and if you can think of the person they hate the most, then we bring in Matthew into this group, and I'm sure it caused some problems. What was Jesus thinking? Then we go on and we hear a few more names. We've got Thomas, we've got another James, we've got Thaddeus, who's ever heard of Thaddeus? Most people, probably not. Uh, we've got Simon the Zealot, uh, and Simon, we don't know much about him. It says Simon the Zealot. Um, a lot of, there's some different um, interpretations of what that looks like, but a lot of people believe uh, the Zealots were these, this group of people who were waiting on the Messiah to come back. And everyone was waiting, all the Jews were waiting on this Messiah to come back and to free them. But the Zealots were like ready to come back with swords and guns and just ready to go. And they wanted a Jesus to come back and just to be like, crazy sword coming out of nowhere, seven feet tall, ripped out of his mind, just ready to fight, uh, kind of like our pastor Dave. Um, I'm looking for a raise. It's good. No. Uh, <laughs> hey, Dave talked all last week about how he was all into CrossFit. So if he's into CrossFit in a couple weeks, I don't know how long it takes to get muscles, obviously. Uh, in a couple weeks, couple months, I'm hoping that Dave looks kind of like that guy. So Simon the Zealot, he was looking for a, a Dave figure to come back. And then we have our last and final disciple, Judas, uh, who is best known for the one who betrayed Jesus. Um, also, that's probably the least of these names that parents choose to name their child after these days. So I haven't met very many uh, Judases. Second after that is uh, Thaddeus. So not very many Thaddeus or, Ju uh, or Judases. But we look at this group, and I think what we can learn from this group is that Jesus wasn't picking this group just for a bunch of guys that were gonna have a good time. Jesus wasn't just picking this group for a bunch of people who were going to get along, who were going to flourish together and all have the same point of view. He needed people in this group that was going to be able to grow the group, that was gonna be able to push the group, that was going to be able to further it on. And if we select everyone that's exactly the same, then there's not gonna be any differing points of view. And like I said before, I know I found myself, when I look around at my group of friends, a lot of times, they all are kind of like that. They're all fishermen, just like me. They're all tax collectors, just like me, and they're surrounded in this group. And I think it's really important to see that there is diversity in this group. There's a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds. If back to the message um, that we started with, the verse in James, it doesn't say that it's gonna be easy work of getting along, it literally says the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. And I've gotta tell you, I am sure this was hard work. I'm sure they went through times where this wasn't fun. I know this because 
there was times that we see uh, in the Bible where this group of 12 had so much conflict. And I think that's the second thing that we can take from this group that Jesus formed was they dealt with conflict all the time, all the time. And it really, most of the time, came back to the same thing that they were dealing with over and over and over again. And that was they had this extreme competition with each other in their group to see who was the best or who was the most holy or who was this and who was that. We can even see it through, even when I was reading through the different names of the disciples, if you notice, there were two Jameses. So if you look a little bit further in, there's two Jameses in here. There's a little nickname for each of them. And the first one is named James the Great. That's his name. Now, if you're the second James and the guy ahead of you is James the Great, that's, but it goes even further. They actually have next to his name, James the Less. So we've got, I know, right? So instantly, before this group even gets into conversation, you've got James the Great and you've got James the Less. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be very excited about that. The guy leading worship today, his name was Justin. If you guys start calling him Justin the Great and me Justin the Less, I'm not going to have a good relationship with him. So off the bat, we see this competition. And then we see it on and on in a couple more places. Um, We can find it here in uh, Mark chapter eight. So at the end of this chapter, Mark chapter eight, we see um, in verse 33, Jesus and the disciples are on a trip. And they're walking on their way back home. And Jesus, uh, when they get back home, Jesus turns to him and he says this. He says, uh, when it was safe to come home, or to come home, he asked, what were you discussing on the road? Silence, the silence was deafening. They all look at each other. Don't wanna say a word. It was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who among them was the greatest. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm the great. You're the less. It says in verse 35, it says, he sat them down, summoned the 12 together, and he said, so you wanna be first place? You want to be the first place? Then take the last. Be the servant to all. He's instantly teaching this group that I don't care if your name is James the Great or James the Less. In order to be together in community, you need to serve everyone. You are all on a level playing field here. They didn't, get this, obviously. Uh, Jesus kind of gave them this little pep talk, talked about them. And I'm not even kidding, two verses later, so first of all, it was all 12 of the people talking. Two verses later, uh, two of the disciples, it was James and John, they decide, hey, I know Jesus said that, but let's go, let's go talk to him just alone and see if maybe he'll make an exception for us. So as they go to him and they said, uh, teacher, we have something that we want you to do for us. What is it, Jesus said, I'll see what I can do. Arrange it, they said, so that we will be awarded the highest places of honor in your glory. One of us to your right and one of us to your left. So they go to Jesus and they're like, hey, I know those other 10, they're cool and all, but we're your boys, right? This is what they're saying to him. And Jesus pretty much sits them down and says, exactly the same thing that he said the first time. He's like, this is not what it's about. It's not about being the right or the left. I have no, no pick over that. It's not about competing. Then it goes back and it says, um, it says, when the other 10 heard this conversation, they lost their tempers with James and John. Jesus got them together and had to settle things down. 
It doesn't just say that they, well, they were kind of upset with these guys, and yeah, they didn't really like that, but it was kind. They literally lost their temper. So we see multiple times here in the New Testament them having to deal with conflict. They were all very different, and they were constantly dealing with conflict. And I think the way that Jesus explains it about, hey, this is not a competition. You guys are all the same. You're very different. You have different backgrounds, different points of view, but I love you all the same. There's not one person that is worth more or better than the other. And I chose you 12 for a reason. All different reasons, but I chose you 12. We see them doing this and we see them dealing with conflict. And then the third thing that I love to see is that the disciples, they walked through life together. Yes, we see a lot here in the Bible where they talked about a lot of the teaching that Jesus did, a lot of the healing. We see a lot of those interactions. But we also see a lot of just regular life interactions. We see a lot of just day-to-day things. They walked through life together. They learned from each other. They had meals together. They prayed together. They laughed. They cried. One of the, uh, one of the things that I love about community, and I love about some of the small groups that I've been in or the community that I've had of friends that are around me, is that when you go through life things, you bring your community along with you. If you're going through a hard time, you bring them along. If you're going through a good time, you bring them along. And the disciples were the same way. Uh, One kind of instance of that in the Bible we find in Matthew verse eight. And just to set this up a little bit, um, it's Peter, Jesus, and some of the disciples. And Peter's mother-in-law was really sick. So she was sick, she was in bed with a terrible fever, super sick. And this is where we pick up uh, Matthew 8, 14, 14 and 15. It says, by this time, they were in front of Peter's house. On entering, Jesus found Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed, burning up with fever. He touched her hand and the fever was instantly gone. No sooner was she up on her feet than she was fixing dinner for them. Now I read this verse to my uh, wife this week, my strong, educated, feminist wife, and she was like, really? This lady is in bed, sick, burning up. Jesus heals her and they instantly send her back into the kitchen? Like, what is going on? She's like, come on, Peter, step up. This is your mother-in-law. You not only brought a whole group of people over to your house, but you heal her, and then all of a sudden you say, can you cook some food for us? She did not like that. (laughs) I think she's a little bitter. I I probably need to start making some more dinners. That's probably what it is. Not to give her a break, because I'm afraid she might poison me. I think that might be what it is, so. But we saw them do life together, and I know personally This has been one of the greatest benefits that I've found out of community. Through some of the best times in my life, I've had my friends, I've had my group, I've had my community around me. And through some of the hardest times, they've also been there. Our first child had a lot of sickness when he was first born. And I remember going through that whole thing and we'd be in small groups and we'd be explaining the story and we'd be telling them and they'd be praying over us and they'd be texting us, hey, how's this, what's this update? They were constantly there. They were there in the bad times. They were there in the good times. And what we can find from this community and what our goal is through these circles, whether it's on a Wednesday night, whether it's on a group that you have at home, a small group that you have, is that it's a group that we can do community with, a group that we can grow and we can walk through life with. And then finally, the final, I think probably the most important part 
kind of like the song that we just sang here, I Speak Jesus, was that Jesus was at the center of their community. Jesus was always right there. And whatever your community looks like, Jesus needs to be at the center of it. Having the focal point be him is the only way that we are going to be able to have healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results because it's hard work. If we're going to have diversity in your groups, if we're going to deal with conflict in our groups, it's not something that we can just do based off of us and the people that we have around us. We have to call on Jesus and we have to center our groups around Jesus. So my challenge to you this week is, as we walk out of here, two things. First of all, go grab a pamphlet, look at the groups, sign up for a Wednesday night group. If you can't make one of those, find community, find other ways of getting connected, start growing groups, because if we look at the way that Jesus had his group, it was very diverse. They learned from each other through conflict. They dealt with it. They walked through life together. And most important, they had Jesus at the center. And if we want to have full groups that are life-giving, that are getting along together, that is what we have to have. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for everyone here today. Everyone that's here in person, everyone that's watching online, everyone that's listening to this later on during the week. I pray that you would begin to show us what our groups need to look like. You would begin to show us the community that we need around us, and not only that we need that community, but why we need that community, what we can grow from, what we can learn about, what we can learn from. We pray that no matter what we do in our community, that we would be able to have differing backgrounds, have differing points of view, but to be able to say, Jesus, you are at the center of our group. You are at the center of our community, and no matter what, if we focus on you, we'll be good. In Jesus' name, amen.